Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to the Driving Mall Show here on New Zealand Sports Radio. Today in on the show, we're going to be having a talk about um, the uh, Lions eating Springboks in Wallaby Country. Um, we'll, uh, uh, there's the Six Nations kicking off this weekend. Uh, we've got Sanzar talking about broadcasting rights. We've got Super Rugby squads to look at. Uh, we've got Roger Tui Arfashek's move over. We've also got the Highlanders. Um, also with a uh, jersey sponsor announcement as well. So lots and lots to get through and uh, to go through all of that with me. Um, I have Boa. How are you doing, sir? Very well. My highlight of the week. I hope everyone is well. I hope everyone is safe wherever you are in the world joining us. And as always, a big thank you to our regulars and uh, also the, the new fans who are joining us. So um, now, Will Poland, how are you? I hope you had a good week so far. Yes, not bad, not bad at all. Doing all, 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 all good. Um, and just um, realised I've not brought up the uh, um, one of the pictures that I wanted to do, and uh, for some reason I can't. It uh, hasn't. Um, I know it. I know why that's happened. Um, so uh, yeah, no, it's been a uh, been a, a obviously an Auckland anniversary week uh, weekend. So a long weekend for a lot of people up in this north north um, top of the North Island. I had uh, and I enjoyed a day at the uh, Outer Oval of Eden Park for to watch some cricket. Um, which was good fun, um, but uh, so yeah, no, all all good. Thank you very much. Now, just um, briefly, um, we'll uh, whack on some, have a quick chat about some news. So, um, yes, the Pulse Energy Highlanders um, put up this uh, um, screenshot uh, a couple of hours ago now, um, talking about the fact they're going to announce a jersey sponsor um, tomorrow. Um, now, you think, Boa? With the name being the Pulse Energy Highlanders, still, it's a bit of a giveaway, isn't it? Indeed, indeed. Uh, no prizes for guessing who will be the naming rights sponsor. It's uh, perhaps the person who was doing all the updates of social media forgot to take the Pulse part out. You know, <laughs> it's good to see a bit of a heartbeat there. Excuse the pun. Uh, yeah, a bit of a dead giveaway. So, uh, well, I. I, 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 I I think it's, I, I think it's not. I, I, I think we, we, we could be seeing it updated tomorrow, and maybe that's just a leftover. But um, look, folks, if we're getting into um, basically three or four weeks before the season, and you're announcing your jersey sponsor, oh, there's some is, there's some financial issues um, going on there. And I think, um, all joking aside, that's really my concern here is that the uh, the away replica jerseys for both the Crusaders and the Highlanders. Don't have a jersey sponsor on on in the um, uh, that they're selling to the uh, to the supporters. Now, um, if you are um, going to uh, if you if, if you want to be a, a a sponsor of the um, uh, of of one of these, you want to be on the jersey that everyone's walking around town with. You don't want to be just on the playing jerseys. So um, you've got to say, yeah, a bit of a mess up there. Um, really, uh, as Nocturnal Rights points out, um, thank you. Yeah, it's a reminder that Pulse are moving to the back of the jersey. There's another sponsor on the front of the jersey this year. Um, so we'll have to wait and see uh, who that is. We'll find out tomorrow. But um, Stephen, welcome to the show. Do you have any 
rumours or insights as to who the uh, Highlanders might be putting on the front of their jersey? Well, you know what? It'd be fantastic if we could actually hear him. But unfortunately, we can't. Let's see if he, if he can uh, try to uh, change his volume uh, and uh, Stephen can join us. We'll wait and see. As he Gentlemen, just I, 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 have to, I have to say I'm surprised because the energy sector has been doing extremely well. And I have to say, I mean, I, I, I myself, where I live out in South Auckland, yeah, I'm a customer of Pulse Energy. I was with Contact and I switched over. They, you know, one of those door-to-door sales guys turned up. So I, I'm very surprised that, you know, they're, they're, they're not the main naming rights sponsor, but I guess we'll find out tomorrow who they are. Yep. Do we have Stephen? I hope so, guys, if you can hear me. <laughs> yes, we can now. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Um, hey, first, hey, firstly, Paul, privilege and pleasure to be on the show. And uh, hi, Paul. Great to uh, catch up after a likewise. few weeks. Jumps, but, uh, likewise. Yeah, no, I've, I've absolutely uh, no idea. So, uh, yeah, who knows? Maybe another so energy we'll, company. Well, definitely not another energy company because Pulse will be on the back of the jersey and that'll be a conflict. So it'll be somebody else on the front. Um, um, Balumba, or how you say it on Periscope, says, who is the main sponsor of Super NZ? Um, I think it's Sky, to be honest. It is. Um, Sky yeah. TV, Super Rugby, Aotearoa. That is the correct naming rights sponsorship deal. So it'll be interesting to see, because uh, I'm not, I don't know who the sponsor is for the uh, Super Rugby AU uh, naming rights. Obviously, it, well, that won't be Sky, uh, but it'll be interesting to see who gets the naming rights for the um, Super Rugby Trans Tasman um, that uh, takes place afterwards, and how that all works. Historically, uh, they've had different uh, tournament naming rights in each um, territory, um, and so it's well. Whilst you've had uh, something like the Vodafone. Super Rugby in, Australia, in um, South Africa, for example, um, you've had a different name for it in uh, Australia, a different name for it in um, New Zealand, which makes all very, very strange. But there you go. Um, I'm not a, a sponsorship expert, so I, I don't know why that uh, is there on that one. Um, since Simon's brought it up, we should probably move on to the, um, the TV deal then. Or... The non-TV deal, as it doesn't exist yet. Here we are three weeks away before the first match, and we don't have a TV deal for um, the uh, for, um, for 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 UK. Um, now, this is um, um, this 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 is really interesting one. So, new CEO um, Brendan Morris shows that he's got his finger on the pulse by saying, "I think the world is changing." Yeah, well done, sir. Of course it is. Hello, the streaming whole thing is, 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 isn't is brand new, mate. Um, you only think it's changing. I'll tell you outright then. It is changing. Um, do you know what? Netflix exists, mate. Um, as to, So um, clearly he's got his finger on the pulse there. Um, the uh, And, uh, yeah, a mind-blowing observation here. Traditional um, TV com traditional terrestrial TV companies being challenged by new platforms. Um, and then he decides to go and contradict himself by going, um, as a rights holder, we've got to be open-minded to all interested parties. Okay, that's good. Um, but again, it's about maximizing commercial outcome because at the end of the day, that's uh, the main driver plus reach. So he says, um, we've got to go with established partners that provide the reach that allows fans to, ac to access the content. So, okay, the world's changing, but we're not going to change with it because that would be a no, we, we are going to stay the same after saying we have to think about different options. I mean, what are these guys doing? I, I, this It's just nuts, isn't it, um, Steve? Paul, Paul uh -huh. the, the, the thing is, this is this typical corporate CEO talk. Now, the problem is normal people don't talk like this. You know, you and I, when we have a conversation, we don't, you know, we don't, we don't sit on the fence and we don't throw in this corporate jargon where we want to pander to one side, then again, sort of go and contradict ourselves and pander to the other side and butter both sides with bread. You, know, you just got to come out and say, look, you know, folks, the world has changed. Uh, we're, we're changing with it. We need the money. We need the coin. Um, so we're looking at a different digital platform and we are open to different partners coming on board. The best deal, the best dress will get the bickies. And chances are you guys will pay a little bit more, but we will have a superior product. 
So sign up, uh, early bird, uh, super early bird, whatever it is, is going to cost you a lot lesser. And, and let's just get on with it. This this whole fluffery and talk. I mean, you know, people are sick and tired of it. Um, you know, we live in a, a pretty you know straightforward world as far as streaming goes. So it's just a matter of picking a platform uh, like what the Autumn Nations Cup did. It was very successful with the Amazon platform, streaming platform. So it's you know just come on, let's let's get in the play and let's move on. Yeah, it's just uh, the. Um... Uh, Nocturne writes here, yeah, standard rugby speak, Paul. Um, which, I'm not sure it's standard rugby speak. As Boa says, yeah, it's um, it's 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 uh, CEO, I don't want to upset anybody um, speak, which is just just dumb. As you say, just come out and say, we'll take, yes, it's a new world. There are competing, there are competing ideas. We'll take the best deal uh, would be the way to say it. Whereas, yeah, he's come out and gone. There's a new world. We'll think about it, but we won't do that instead. Um has not some writers give me Peter Falendis instead, please. Well, yes, there's a man who, who speaks his mind, but um, where <laughs> um, Stephen, you got any thoughts on the on, on this? Uh, yeah, Sanzar and overseas broadcasting rights. Yeah, I was thinking about just what Nocturnal Wright said about Peter Falendis. I, I don't know whether rugby union um administrators or supporters are, are ready for Peter Valendes, but boy, he'd, he'd definitely shake up the apple cart. Listen, guys, this is um. This is MO standard 101 corporate speak, guys, just to just to say, yeah, 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 we think this is happening and this is where this is going. But on saying that, we wanna be we wanna be loyal to the guys who are our current broadcasters at the moment. But let's see but you know, but let's see what happens here. There's a bit of there's a bit of that involved, guys. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll see what happens. But again, we're four weeks out or three weeks out from the first match and we don't have a we don't have a broadcasting deal. Hello, wake up smell the coffee get on with it and 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 uh, do your job mate leaving it to this late is not cool um now i do i don't know if they if they if sounds like any um any longer have the kind of uh, commercial rights around the super rugby piece or whether they're just doing the rugby championship from now on we'll have to um wait and see uh, we'll have to see how that sort of pans itself pans out pardon me obviously the hagiwaris etc and um, the south african sides have moved away so we'll have to wait and see how that's um uh, whether, whether they are doing that. But, yeah, it is only three weeks away before the um, Super Rugby AU kicks off. So, come on. Um, again, not a good look leaving it this late. Um, and also not good for fans who are trying to get themselves organised who want to watch it. What do I sign up for? I don't know. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's not a good... Um, and, not Paul, good this, this is yet another sign uh, of what I call the, the, the misalignment, on-field to off-field. Rugby, as you know, is one of the slowest evolving sports in the world. Pretty much, you know, when it comes to altering rules and regulations, you know, we 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 all we we go around this merry-go-round and we know what's wrong with the game, but nothing changes. And this is yet another example of uh, you know all this sort of filtering in. And you would think that these um, high-paid execs can move quickly, but you know, clear-cut evidence that's not the case. No, look, and the. The, whatever number they get, it's going to be less than last time. Um, the, the 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 realities of broadcast deals are is that they're coming down, not going up, or at least staying flat. Uh, and especially uh, in this pay cycle, unless you've got someone like an Amazon who's going to throw cash at it, and I can't say they would do. They've not signed whilst they've signed up to to uh, individual sort of tournament things. They've not signed up to an, an ongoing longer. Um, a piece, and that's for, for anything really. So that's why, yeah, that's, they're dipping their their toes in still. I'm not sure they're actually ready to take that plunge and become, and to really take on a sky or something like that. But we'll wait and see um, how that um, uh, how that all pans out. Um, so um, Stephen, you, you you arrived late, so you you, you kind of scuppered my plans because I've got I've got another I've got another quiz for you guys. Oh, here we go. So. Um, and there's been yes, there's been no pre uh, um, pre pre warning to the boys, so they, they've not had a chance to go out and do hey. their research. Putting us on the spot. Um, so putting you, you, you're right, putting you on the spot. All Blacks all time stats again, oh, and this time we're going for test tries. Now I've got the top five test try scorers. Um, so uh, let's see um, how uh, you guys uh, can um, uh, can do with this one. Um, 
Boa, you were in first, so you can go first. Who do you think? Uh, who do you think's on that list of top five try scorers? If you do them in order, uh, just go for the first I think one. The number one is Mr. Douglas Howlett, didn't it? Doug Howlett. Yep. Do you know how many? Uh, was it fifty? Stephen, do you know how many? I've, I've I've absolutely no idea. I'm just trying to think of how many tests he played. I reckon I'd probably about forty. 49. So very close there, Boa, but not quite. So, yes, the Doug Howlett leads the way on 49. Um, Stephen, who else do you think is on that list? Um, I'd probably have to have Joe Rockethoko on that list. Yep. He uh, is um, second equal. Second uh, equal. On uh, on 46. Boa? I, yeah, I, I, think there's, I think there's three guys. I think there's three guys. The bus Julian Severe is one. Um and Joe Rocotoco and was it was it Christian Cullen or Jeff Wilson? So yep, you're quite right. You've you've got you've named all five there, but Christian Cullen, um, okay. Joe Rocococo and Julian Savea are all on 46. Um, and then uh, Jeff Wilson is on 44. So you've saved um Stephen his blushes there. Okay, well there done. you go. Um <laughs> well, actually, I actually I had I thought Christian Cullen would be would be yeah. right up there. So, yeah, he was one of my answers. But, uh, yeah, Jeff Wilson, I wasn't too sure whether John uh, – I also thought maybe John Kerwin might be in the picture. But you've also got the likes of Mark Ellis, who went to a World Cup and scored six tries. But to be fair, Mark Ellis didn't play a lot of tests for the All Blacks. So he would be nowhere near it, although probably holds the record for the most tries in a test match in one single game. The uh, And, yeah, and you, you've, you've also I – mean, how many could Doug Howlett have actually scored if he hadn't gone over to um, and become a uh, an absolute legend over at Munster? Um, is the other thing. Yes, um, that's that's a very valid point. I think longevity-wise, Doug had probably the shortest career span. His strike rate was amazing, and had he played maybe another two, maybe three seasons, yeah, he could have easily cracked sixty, maybe sixty-five tries. And no one, I don't, I don't think him going forward, given the amount of competitiveness we have in the back three. Um, anyone could even come remotely close to the guy. Wait, what, what about what about this, Paul? If um, if Jonah Lomu never had his his illness and was able to play out a, a, a career illness free, who knows? Hundred tries. Exactly. So, I mean, uh, so I mean, Doug, that's, before we move on to Jonah, let's do anything. Yeah. So Doug Howlett, sixty three appearances, um, finishing up in two thousand and seven. Um, he then went on to play for Munster between 2008 to 2013. So he had another five years left of his career. Now, would he have been playing for all those five years for the All Blacks? Probably not. Um, but he could definitely have, as, as Bo says, he could definitely have uh, had another couple um, in there um, as well. Nocturnal rights says, wingers coming out of our ears in New Zealand. Well, I don't know. If, you put, if, you, if, you, if you're putting Geordie Barrett on the wing, you might not be, uh, you might not have a, uh, an excess of wingers, to be honest with you. But anyway, um, but, I, I uh, think you'd say that, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Lomu, I mean, how, I'm trying to how many, uh, so just quickly check here as to how many games he played. Um, so he, yeah, well, he had um, 73, 73 appearances. So he actually scored more, he had more appearances than Doug Howlett with uh, 73 appearances there. And so, of course, uh, in, interestingly enough, the big guy didn't score a single try against uh, the Springboks, which is a very interesting statistic. And that just goes to show how many, how well he was marked every every single time he got on the field by the box. Yep, very true. They don't say any try they scored, but I'm, I'm assuming he didn't kick many points. So he's got 215. Divide that by five, 43 tries um, for um, for Jonah there. So, uh, yep. Um, from two th from yeah nineteen ninety four through to two thousand and two, um, in uh, playing for for New Zealand. So, so it's fair, fair to say if he had more of a, more appearances, he probably would have been right up there. The um, well, yes, yeah, so, yeah, but you're, it's, it's interesting that he actually he appeared more times than Doug Howlett, but scored less tries. Um, scored six less six less tries than Doug Howlett, but appeared more times. So. Um, Doug Hallett was amazing, um, I think. And, uh, yeah, I, I, it uh, would have been interesting to see how, how high he could have pushed that number. But as you say, uh, just um, when you look at the long, longevity of 
of uh, of wingers nowadays is they only seem to last about two or three seasons before they get replaced. Um, so yeah, I can't. It's it's uh, difficult to see who would be. Um, can you think of anyone in the current um the current setup? Um, you got people in um, Sergio Reese, for example, has come and gone already practically. Um, could yes. uh, the the reality Paul is with uh, especially back three and wingers, we will see a lot more younger players break in and start. They'll have a shorter career span. So, if take for example, guys like Caleb Clark. My take on it, based on what I'm seeing, especially with uh, what's happening in Japan and what what plans they have in Japan, and also player agents, how they make their moves in the European markets. Uh, you know, they'll probably play between play their best rugby for the All Blacks between the age age bracket of 22 to 26. So I'm, I'm looking at maybe. Uh, a four to five year career and then they'll be off to finish their careers either in Japan or in Europe. Uh, so, I mean, hopefully Caleb Clark, I mean, if he scores, what, 10 tries a season, he'll get up to 40, but that's 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 a big ask, and especially with uh, what's happening post-pandemic. So, short, short career spans um, and, and, of course, not all wingers play a full 80 minutes. You know, because there's tactical substitutions and they don't play all games as well. So, you know, there's there's all sorts of factors we need to look at. You've um, Just a quick thing. I've just quickly looked at Rico Ioani's stats, making his uh, uh, debut back in 2016. He's already had 34 appearances, 130 tries, which what would that what would that equate to? Uh, 20, 30, 30 tries? 103 points. Yeah, 130 points. The, um, no, 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 not, not 30 tries. Um, 20, 24, 26 maybe? 26 tries? Yeah. Correct, 26 yeah. tries. Yeah, 26, yeah. 20, 26 tries. So it's, you know, what if he, if he well, first of all, if he uh, gets a starting spot back and uh, maybe gets that centre position, it, it, you know, listen, it, it's, it's quite conceivable on the cards that he could overhaul that if he if he's consistent with his form. But this is, I guess this is one of the things that, um, and if we move on then to, uh, sort of takes us on to, to um, Roger Toyofshek, who uh, has come over. And folks, um, I did a For Your Is Only special um, with our rugby league expert, um, Brad. Uh, so uh, if, you, um, if you're a supporter of New Zealand Sports Radio, you can go listen to us talking about uh, whether he would make it as an All Black and the chance of him moving over. Um, clearly, uh, it got announced literally, literally after we finished. We, we clicked stop recording, um, and then it got announced there was going to be a press conference. Um, so um, I managed. I think I managed to get it up just in, just before the press conference. To, uh, but um, but yeah. So you can go listen to us talking about Roger Tuivasa. But um, there's. I mean, there's been a bunch of talk about like, oh yes, he'll be a. Uh, people go, oh look, he, he's um, what, he's coming over into a stacked position of the back three with sort of your your, your bridges, um, your. Um, Ah, uh, yeah, Jordan. Um, uh, you obviously uh, Mackenzie Barretts, uh, all these sort of player Reeses. Um, but actually, he could be coming into us. He could come in as a centre. We don't know if he's got a kicking game, for example. Um, and then you, so if he's coming into centre. Then you've also got Bridge to Arfshek, uh, Obviously, Jack Goodhue, um, Anton Leonard Brown. Uh, add in um, Braden Enor if he comes back from injury. Uh, Rico Iwani. Uh, there's there's no. Um, there's I mean, there's no there's no uh, um, assurance that uh, either Rico Iwani or Roger Tuivasa will actually get much game time. Well, I, I have to I, I have to disagree, Paul. I think RTS give him give him a good season of uh, provincial rugby and a little bit of club rugby. Man, this guy, you know, was it uh, Phil Gould who called it? He when he stepped uh, he stood up uh, Todd Carney and he said. That man stepped him out of his underpants. He has phenomenal <laughs> skills. Phenomenal skills. He he doesn't lose speed when he steps laterally. And I think he's tailor-made, looking at some of the teams we're playing, uh, tailor-made to uh, play against Aussies. And I think he'll be a solid 13. He just needs to get his uh, radar as far as the, the rules of the game, or rules rugby union. Uh, but, you know, terrific Terrific player, terrific athlete, great work ethic, real professional. 
a lot of good leadership skills is coming in. And also, I have to say, over the next couple of years, where the All Blacks are most vulnerable are, in fact, in that midfield. I think once he gets his bearings and once he really gets going, he's probably going to leave most of these guys for absolute dead. That's my take on it. The, um, it's, I, no, look, when I say that they're not guaranteed game time, um, I'm also not saying that they won't get game time. They both could be. I mean, get, I'm not saying he, he won't break it, break in. I'm just saying that there's there are options in all the positions that he's looking at, um, and or the all the positions we, we think he'll be though he'll be considered. Um, and there are a lot of lots of options for the All Blacks at the moment um, in that uh, in, in in the in the backs department. Um, uh, a friend Herman, a friend of ours from um, uh, from Sweden, uh, saw saw a highlight really and said, "Yeah, it's like Cheslin Colby, but big." Um, <laughs> which um, which again. Um, yeah, he is. He's definitely, he's definitely got the skills. Uh, the question is how how well they adapt to it. Um, and people who are saying, "Oh, he's got a rugby union background," that was high school, folks. It's a bit different <laughs> when you get the, get to the get to the professional level. Um, so yeah, he's got a lot of learning to do. Uh, but um, certainly, um, Paul, 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 I was about to say, what what he actually brings to the code. If you look at the the uh, current All Black team at the moment, I don't think we've had a lot of Steppers in that outside channel probably since uh, Nehemi on the scutter and he slotted in nicely in that 2015 Rugby World Cup just had that ability to to beat players with a side side step and just created something a little bit different and I think regardless of your stack deck it's only a stack deck if the guys in front of him are good enough to keep him out of that deck um, so he comes across with a, with a lot of skills I suppose the thing for Roger Tuivasa Sheik what he'll find, he won't have the same sort of space that he gets in in rugby league when he's given that opportunity to sort of um, sort of inject himself into into the back line. As you know, rugby very very structured game, and he might only get one or two opportunities in the game. But I think it's up to the All Black coaches and how they're going to utilise this guy. Um, I originally got the heads up from uh, of all people Mark Watson when he was covering um, college rugby when they first started uh, uh, covering the um, secondary school rugby and he sent me a message. He said, mate, you've got to watch the centre from Otahu College at the time. And he was cutting capers. But you are right, Paul. There's a big difference between schoolboy rugby and, and playing at uh, the very highest professional level. But boy, I just like the idea of a kid that's got a step and power. It just brings an extra dimension to this all-black team with the greatest of respect that maybe if you think back to those that back three that played against the uh, England in the Rugby World Cup. And I mean, say with the greatest respect to George Bridge, he's one of those players that'll never let you down, does he, does everything right. And uh, we, all, we all know with the likes of Severi Rishi, he could pop up all over the place, but I don't think he has the same out-and-out pace or step that uh, Roger Tuavasa-Shek has. So, listen, the, the world is his oyster. So uh, maybe the big problem for uh, Ian Foster is to, is to figure out who our best 15 is, but we've been saying that for a few years now, guys. <laughs> look, look on the counter-attack, on the kick counter, you you put a guy like Caleb Clark and RTS together, you, you just sit back and watch. I mean, that's that's the Harlem Globetrotters coming into town. And, you know, I, I'm looking at uh, potential combinations for a team like the Wallabies coming up for the next couple of years. You have guys like Hunter Paisami, who was... Uh, uh, a former player uh, of my old club, uh, Manuka Rose. Look, RTS against guys like that, right, he's going to make them look real stupid. I mean, this guy, he's he's phenomenal. Give him, give him, um, give him some quality time to get used to his bearings with the rules of rugby union. You just sit back and watch. He is a game breaker. He's got the X factor. Um, I think he's going to do exactly what Sunny Bill did, but a lot more better purely because he brings that ability to step laterally and not lose speed, which is uh, a very, very gifted, rare skill. Yes. Now, I'm glad you brought up Sonny Williams on this one because uh, the move over. Because, right, what, how did Sonny Williams move over? He came over when he played in Toulon with um, Johnny Wilkinson on one side of him um, and Tana Umanga on the other side. I mean, wow, what a... Uh, what a what what a way to learn your rugby. He did that for two years. He then came over to the Crusaders, and sure, he then made his way into the All Blacks pretty quickly into the next Rugby World Cup. 
but he did two years in France with two legends of the game inside and out, outside him, teaching him how to play before he got there. Um, and then spent two more years or two or three years before making it to the World Cup. I guess my only point is going to be is he only has, uh, if he's coming over uh, at the end of this year, he's um, only got 2022 and then 2023 is Rugby World Cup. It's um, it, that, That's a pretty steep learning curve there. Uh, and yeah, he, Sonny Williams gave himself more time to do it, is all I would say. Look, there's there's every reason he might be he might get cut loose a lot earlier if uh, Union has his way, and of course, you know if he if he wants to uh, get some quality time and learn his bearings, there's no better place than Manuka Rowers in, in South Auckland. <laughs> Come and play him in a Gala Premier Rugby. We we will, we would love to have him. He'll be right at home. Oh, absolutely! In South in South Auckland, I got to agree with you with your boss, Paul. I think one thing that Tana Umanga and co. did when they were at Toulon, just having Sonny Bill over in France, just had him away from the New Zealand media, so there wasn't the, I don't think there was the same sort of pressure that was afforded to say, for some example, like uh, Benji Marshall when he came to the Blues at the, at the time, I just really shook my head with that decision from John Kerwin to bring this guy across, having played, you know, he might have, he might have played a, a little bit of rugby, but that's before he was 15. Down at down at Fakatani somewhere, you know, where he, where he grew up. Then he moved to Australia, and he was pretty much into to rugby league straight away. So it was a tough ask, and you could see the way that he was playing. There were times he'd run sideways just to, to try and ignite or do something. And boy, you can't you can't help but wonder, you know, maybe a season just play, playing playing a bit of club footy, just to, just so he could find his feet. It's Super Rugby is not a place to find your feet, so it'll be really interesting to see how. These current blues coaches inject uh, Roger Tuivasa. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Slow down, cowboy. Uh, yeah, it's, um, it, oh mate, it's he's going to the blues, mate. No question, <laughs> he's going to the blues. He's not, by, he's not by, way, by way, of Monaco Rovers. Now that sounds great. <laughs> yeah, well, if he's going to Monaco Rovers, he's part of the blues franchise, mate. He is going to the blues, mate. Mark mate, my words. So we'll we'll we'll, well, we'll see uh, at the moment. Um, what the someone from the Crusaders said that all five franchises would love to have him. Um, so, so, uh, um, and there have been some comments, and I guess this, this comes into nocturnal rights comment here. Um, RTS superb player can go all the way, but how did the union afford him when they have slashed their budgets? Now, I guess there's two parts of this one is, um, has he taken a pay cut because he wants to get an all blacks jersey, uh, and wants to win a rugby world cup? Maybe. Um, uh, secondly. Uh, there's already uh, so I've seen some mentions on, on on the old socials saying, look, if there's um, another player uh, getting with external funding, um, which I think is how Benji Marshall came over. I'm not sure that uh, John Kerwin actually brought him over, and whether John Kerwin was forced to have Benji Marshall rather than the other way round. Because um, I don't think John Kerwin handled the Benji Marshall move well. I don't think he really wanted him, to be honest. Um, but I could be wrong. Um, but yeah, maybe there's external money here paying that uh, that wants to see Roger um, Roger come over um, would be my guess. Paul, you mean the same John Kerwin that flew over to Sydney and sat down and had a couple of meetings with Benji Marshall? I, I, oh, okay. I, I think he played a part in it, but at the end of the day, I think um, at the time, the, the guy who owned 49% of the Blues, which was the corporate cab guy, name just escapes my it just escapes me at the moment. Probably had a had a wee bit to do it as well. I mean to say they were they were you know they were looking for X Factor or something really different to do at the time. But you know, it also basically says how naive they were at the time that they hadn't really identified the problems of the Blues at that time. And they thought, man, we'll bring in a really flashy player that can sidestep, that can ignite a backline. Well, hey, rugby is a fifteen or twenty-three man game where you need everybody doing their part to make that guy with all the flashy skills look good. Yeah, also, but also, uh, when, you, when you be a guy over like that, you've also got to say, right, this is your jersey and you're going to have it, rather than, oh, we'll, you, we'll play you a few minutes in this position, then we'll pull you off, then we'll put you in, put you at 15 instead and pull you off and we'll put you there. You, 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 either, you, either, you either buy in and, and go for it or you or you don't, and he didn't really. But sorry, Combo. Yeah, Stephen, you make a very good point about external money and you know funding. Um, Benji's move had a lot to do with one of the 
naming rights sponsors for the Blues, which was NIB Insurance. And if you recall, he was one of um, NIB's corporate ambassadors. And this was the time when NIB Insurance were uh, launching the app. Uh, the reason I know this is because I was sort of involved in behind the scenes. Uh, so there's there's every possibility something very similar with more significant money to do with uh, Roger Tuivasa Shek uh, and RTS coming into Union. Um, but again, we don't know which way he's going to go. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm being wishful here saying that he, he will come to Manuka Rose, but guys, the reality is if he's going to be in Auckland, he'll probably end up at Ponsonby. Not that they need any more star players. That's just the so way it is. So, you know, um, so you'll probably see him on, on your, on your television screen every night doing an ad of sorts. Yeah, quite possibly, quite possibly, because look, you know, he's, he's a very recognizable face. And I think, uh, you know, him in an all black shirt is going to have uh, significant ramifications, positive stuff from a commercial point of view, you know, um, and it's, it's, there's that as aspect to it. And, and of course, you know, we've seen how his, his screen presence is. So um, especially the, let's say, you know, everything goes to plan, you know, he'll be, he'll be doing a lot of stuff with social media, a lot of fan engagement, a lot of interaction. So, so the, you know, the possibilities are, is are great. And, and, you know, he's going to do very well for himself as in return. Hopefully, he will do well for the All Blacks. Now, hopefully, the, the All Blacks have got the right social media and media and marketing people in place to take advantage of it with him. Um, but uh, I'll, I'm, I'm, I remain to be convinced of that. Um, as you say, if it is, if there is external funding um, that's private funding, then uh, he'll be more in line with um, working with the the NIB or whoever it is that sort of Vodafone or whoever it is that uh, that, that is stumping up the cash. So when we say external funding, um, an example of this. So Israel Folau, for example, um, had a, a proportion of his wages uh, that uh, the ARU um, negotiated were actually paid by an external tr um, trust fund um, that was set up to pay Wallabies. Um, and there are a number of players that do that in that in, in that situation. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that's what we mean by external funding is when, an, uh, is, is, is when an external source is, we will pay money, but for this particular player um, to top of his top of his salary so that he'll, he'll come. Um, and yeah, and that's, yeah, wouldn't, I wouldn't be, we're not saying that has happened with Roger, but we wouldn't be surprised if it, if it, if it has happened is what we're trying to say before yeah. we get up out sued. Balumba, <laughs> just, 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 just to simplify that a little bit back in the old day, external funding was, uh, you know, a bunch of people or a person, if there's a really good player, would turn up with a, a, a brown paper bag full of money and give it to them just to top the salary up. That's what happened back in the day. Whereas now, whereas now everything is above ground and it's it's legitimate. So usually what happens is uh, uh, a sponsor of sort who has something to do with a, uh, a team or a franchise, they would come in uh, just to make sure that they don't have any breaches of the salary cap. Um, they would come up with some creative ways. Either they might, you know, get them a house or, um, you know, paid holiday or whatever it is. Yeah, say, I was about to say, guys, the only, brown, the only brown paper bag I got back in the day when I was playing rugby, you had a pie in it, guys. Well, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a form of external funding. By funds you hunger, I suppose. <laughs> Um, nocturnal rights is legit like Saracens. Okay, the difference here is that over in the UK is that um, there is a salary cap across those here in New Zealand because New Zealand, or here, or, or I'm more aware of it in Australia than I am here in New Zealand. But in Australia, where they have central contracts, uh, basically it's legit because hey, the French, the um, the uh, governing body um, uh, contracts of people. Um, and does it so? Yes, no. It is. It is above board. Um, not like uh, not like Saracens, uh, which could do it in a different way. Um, as uh, as well. Um, yes. As John, yeah. When John Curring was um, coach of Italy, a couple of ex NRL players um, became uh, Italian eligible as well. Uh, yeah. Good point there. Um, so yes, perhaps uh, perhaps I'm wrong uh, in the Benji Mar that, that John Curring was key in Benji Marshall's piece. Um, but anyway. Um, very quickly, folks, um, the Six Nations is happening this weekend. 
uh, and um, France um, will be uh, playing Italy, England versus Scotland, and Wales versus Ireland. Um, actually, it's Italy, France. Sorry, I think it's over. Actually, I think it's over in Italy. Um, now, I'll be honest. I've not been paying much attention to the build-up to this purely because I just didn't ever thought it was actually going to happen. In all honesty, and I thought it'd be a waste of my time. So <laughs> let's hope it does happen. Um, but um, Boa, I don't know if you've uh, if you've seen the squads, but I mean, with players like uh, Untermac out injured, uh, missing the entire tournament, um, and I've gone blank as to the Fijian centre that's for the for, for, um, for France as well. Um, Nakarawa, big Nakarawa. Uh, with 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 most of them, with most of the teams sticking to thirty-one players uh, and uh, and bubbling up. Um, yeah, it's going to be a bit. It's going to be an interesting one as to who can handle basically um, being uh, in a bubble and not uh, and, and actually behaving themselves, not not getting COVID, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. And uh, uh, for me, it's a very significant omission. Uh, who who was actually stood down from the England squad was Sam Underhill. In my view, the best back row forward in the world. Um, so yeah, look, look it's uh, interesting. Um, Interesting way all teams are taking taking approach to this. It's a very cautious CIOE go sort of thing. Um, and I'm, I'm, I have to say I'm a little bit disappointed because after, uh, you know, with, with what's happened post-pandemic, I, I, I was thinking maybe all these teams are raring to go at each other, but they've taken a very cautious approach to it. So it will be interesting to see how, um, how things fan out and, you know, it might actually make some of the games a lot more competitive because there's a bit of an unknown factor as well. Um, but, yeah, I have to say I'm a little bit disappointed. How, uh, However, there's one other thing I have to say. There's no guarantee that the games will go ahead because all of this is subject to uh, PCR tests and uh, squads testing negative. Um, and given that what's happening in Europe at the moment, uh, you know, this, it's, it's always a 50-50. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see how things fan out over the next few days. Um, just so that we, for clarity folks, um, Sam Underhill is missing because of injury, um, not because of uh, not because of being dropped. Uh, and same with the other players that we've mentioned as well. It's the, these are injury people that people are, that are missing. Uh, they may even be, they may only be injured for the first or two first or two test matches, but because they can't play that. They're getting excluded entirely for the whole thing, which is an interesting way of uh, um, looking at it. Um, Stephen, any thoughts around the Six Nations? Yeah, I'll tell you what. You, you kind of look at the, at the. I always sort of look to the level of the respective uh, club footy, club footy that we're watching, and we're still seeing some reasonably, reasonable good, reasonably good football in the in, in the Premiership. Of course, the likes of Bristol, man, they're going great guns. At, at the moment, and, and of course, in recent times, Exeter had a couple of you know speed wobbles. So you always look out for the for the England players that are running around in that competition. I, st I still reckon they're probably the side to beat in the in the in the Six Nations. Obviously, with with France, you know that you lose a, a a lose a key pivot, and that's a real tough one for them. And you know the French when they're playing at home, I think they they're one of those teams they rely so much on the passion of their crowd when they are playing. Playing at home, it either gets them, it, it, it either gets them up or it doesn't. Um, yeah, hard hard to know, guys. But like Boy said, will these games go ahead? Don't know. We've already seen what a, a disruption it's been to the Premiership, fellas. Yeah, I mean, one thing we are certain of: there won't be crowds. Um, that's a, that's a certain thing. I mean, one of the I mean, some of the interesting things um, for England will be around the Saracens players who. Um, their competition hasn't started yet and probably isn't going to happen even. So they've had one game against Ealing Trailfinders, which they lost, uh, and only Billy Vinopola played. So your players such as um, uh, Farrell, Jamie George, Mario Toji, they've not played any rugby this season yet, and they're going straight into test matches. Ouch. Um, so for England, there's, there's definitely those issues. Uh, we've already talked about the French ones. So, Hang on, Paul, I was going to say, Remember the Pumas? They hadn't played for a year. <laughs> much rugby, mate, and they, they pretty much hit the ground running. So hey, we shouldn't probably hold that up as a as a thing. Um, true, but it's it's a it's it's yeah. They haven't been training with an England squad for the past six months like the Pumas had, which was very which was very true. But, true. Um, but um, so yeah, so definitely some question marks around England there. Um, the uh, just trying to think, Wales obviously uh, in that one. 
uh, on a massive losing streak at the moment. Uh, and um, essentially, Wayne Pivak knows that if he doesn't win uh, a few big, a few games in this in this tournament, he basically loses his job. Um, and you can see that in the selection of their squad uh, is that um, with players like Dan Lidiot coming back in uh, and also a couple of players coming straight back from injury into the side, such as um, the Sheriff, and I've forgotten what his name is now. <laughs> I don't know, just think of him as the Sheriff, um, who is the, the, the hooker. Um, the, the, so that yeah, they're all about having to, he's just on, um, yeah, uh, on, on some very thin ice, so they're not even thinking about the Rugby World Cup, he's thinking about just trying to keep a job, um, which will, which will happen there. Ireland, yeah, obviously, look, yeah, look, Paul, I think, I'm sorry to interject, I think Wayne Pivak's days are numbered. His this will probably, my, my take on it, this will be his last campaign in charge of Wales. I'm very bullish on France, regardless of Intermec be not being there. Uh, they've created some, you know, short term, some really good depth, and they've got game breakers everywhere. And and basically looking at some of their form lines in their local competition, extremely, extremely bullish on France. And I think they will be a very, very surprised package, and they will upstage uh, teams like England and uh, you know the the form form runners. And also keep an eye on Scotland because they've named uh, a decent con contingent of South Africans. And in time to come, <laughs> next, 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 next rugby World Cup, there'll be more South Africans and Scottish born players. So it, it's going to be a very interesting Six Nations, if you could call it that. It's it's more like a, a fifteen nations affair at the moment. Oh dear, harsh, harsh. Um I'm just trying to think of how those South African names will work out. Vanda Muktuk. <laughs> well, no, no. you know, I mean, I mean, it's 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 it was strange enough uh, watching um, what's his name, um, the former Waikato winger making his debut for Ireland. You know, uh, oh, Sean Maitland. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. Maitland, Maitland was um, was uh, Scotland. He's talking about James Lowe. James Lowe. Oh, James, yeah, which, James Lowe. It was it was a it was a strange odd strange odd feeling watching James Lowe running around in that uh, Paddy Irish jumper. But hey, you know it's it's a way of the world. It's a progressive world, and we have to encourage this sort of thing. And um, yeah, I, I I I'm just really really bullish on France. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, 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 I don't think France will shock anybody. Uh, look, they went with a very much a very six second string squad. Uh, to Twickenham last time uh, out because of the because of the agreement they had between the clubs and the country uh, and the way they rotated players. Uh, also, again, beginning of a World Cup cycle, all that kind of stuff. Um, this time around, uh, 31 players uh, together for the seven weeks. Uh, and I think, yes, France will France and England are the two, two favourites for this. And it will probably come down to their game at Twickenham um, to decide it, assuming that all the games do go ahead. Well, I have to say, last, when, the, when last time England and France met, I mean, England won much thanks to a refereeing blunder, wasn't it? So, uh, yeah, it's all on. It's all yeah. on, guys. Oh, that's, that's, I, can't remember, I can't remember. I can't remember the refereeing blunder, but I know it's one. I know. I can. I can. I can. I can send you a, a clip of it as well. <laughs> well, Paul, Paul is wearing his wearing his uh, under the. That um, jacket that he's wearing, he's wearing as anybody but England T-shirt under that jacket. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm a huge fan. I'm, I'm a huge fan of England, just not the referees. <laughs> What's what is a, um, one of the things that is interesting? Last year, um, Eddie, O'Sull um, Eddie O'Sullivan, no, um, Eddie Jones came out and said that um, he basically was just training England on defence and hadn't even bothered starting his new attack patterns for the next Rugby World Cup. So hopefully. We see a little bit more out of England this time round uh, in this one. Um, Nocturnal Wright says maybe they could play all the uh, games in the Isle of Man as it's normal there now. Well, yes, maybe so. Maybe maybe the uh, maybe South Africa or maybe the the, the uh, British Irish Lions in South Africa, the Springboks, should tour the Isle of Man instead of um, instead of touring South Africa um, in that one. Because um, Steve, did you see that uh, the Wallabies or uh, or um, Rugby Australia um, have? Um, uh, have made a bid to host the British and Irish Lions against the Springboks. Yes, I, I, I have seen that. Is that a... Well, you know, Marinos has just entered, entered the um, 
has entered the job for Australian rugby. Man, he's actually showing he's, he's actually showing he's got more ideas than he ever did when he was the top the head of uh, CEO for Sansa. I mean to say, Sarah, are you serious? You know, not not a bad way of thinking. He's probably thinking financially. We need a little bit more money in the kitty. So uh, listen, good on him for putting it out there. If he if he pulls it off, who knows? But uh, as as we we all know, Australian Australia is still having their issues in and around COVID. Obviously, Western Australia is is gone into uh, gone into lockdown at this time, and and uh, there's still restrictions around in in uh, New South Wales, I believe. I, I think uh, watching being a bit of a fan of the Big Bash, I've seen a lot of the games. There's no games still being played in Sydney at this time, fellas. True, uh, but I mean, the other thing also he, he mentioned in that was or, or was, was mentioned somewhere was that uh, Australia and France, because I think France is supposed to tour Australia, um, could put together a combined team to play against the uh, against the Springboks or against the British and Irish Lions. And it was like, what? 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 It, it's just, I think it's just pulling out ideas out of a hat and just and just seeing which ones kind of vaguely might stick. Some crazy ideas. Um, they also, of course, remember, don't forget that Australia have, have offered to host a mini Rugby World Cup as well this um, uh, this uh, this winter um, during the uh, during the June during the July Test window. So um, that one's gone quiet. So I can't see it happening. But hey, you never know. Bella, you th- uh, um, do you reckon any any of these things are going to actually happen, or are we just uh, or is this just all good good um, good paper stories? Oh, look, I think it's great marketing. You know, Andy Marinos has certainly read the book of guerrilla marketing by <laughs> Seth Godin. He's, 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 trying, he's, he's trying to make a statement about making a statement sort of thing. Uh, whether any of this is actually going to eventuate, uh, I'm not so sure. But, you know, good on him. Good on him and Rugby Australia for trying something different and, you know, putting the idea across. Because sometimes, you know, the craziness of ideas when they come to fruition... And who knows, maybe the Lions and the Springboks, um, you know, they, they, they might be able to get on a cruise ship each, uh, do their quarantine on the water and, um, you know, make their way over to Australia. And, 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 and the, the good thing about this is this now gives a legitimate reason for South Africa to make no excuses because if it's all go and if everyone signs up and gets ready, they, it forces their hand to play rugby. They can't dodge teams forever as they have successfully done for about 437 days, I believe, uh, well, after last year's Rugby World Cup. Apparently, one of the reasons they missed the Rugby Championship was to make sure they were ready for the British and Irish Lions. So um, clearly a big thing on there. Um Rugby Fixation, great to see you um, watching the show. And um, I, we do have your stats that you have produced, but unfortunately, I think we're going to run out of time for discussing them. But we'll, we'll discuss them probably next week, looking at the uh, Super Rugby AU and Super Rugby NZ um, teams. But uh, yeah, some, some great work by Rugby Fixation over on Twitter, folks, uh, if you've uh, got the time to head over there. Stephen? I'm, I'm just having a bit of a chuckle at uh, Boer's last comments. Uh, the uh, Springboks have obviously been playing a game of hide-and-seek probably more hide than seek at the moment but uh, I was going to say uh, I'm surprised that hasn't bought Batman out of the woodwork guys after that comment well yes yeah, so we, we don't see Batman in the, in the comments today unfortunately but so there we go um, Jordan Clark says why not have it in Australia the world needs some positive things happening instead of deaths and cases uh, very true they do um, but if you've been on any social media um, and listened to um, British and Irish Lions fans back in the UK there was a massive no um, and then also out of South Africa, there was a massive no as well, basically saying, look, we know we're watching games at eight o'clock in the morning. Um, if, if we're going to go anywhere, let's go up to Europe and actually have them at a decent time where we can watch them. Um, so, yeah, all of the responses I've heard f- out of Europe and South Africa, are now tr- not, not from officials, but from just the general public and media, has been negative to Australia's um, offer uh, to, host, to host it, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah that's... Uh... Interesting, you know, some places just can't seem to buy a trick in the eyes of the public. Now, hey, if if Mark Robinson and NZR threw the hat in the ring and got the Prime Minister of this country to say, yeah, you know, why don't you come over here? I reckon it would have been a very different response and a very different public opinion. Um, I yeah. No, I, I still look. It's you either host in South Africa or you host in in in, um, in the UK uh, and Ireland. 
um, yeah, it's going to a neutral venue. I don't think is a good idea personally. Um, the um, well, for the, for the for the sake of the game happening, because you know one of the pioneers of this was uh, was it the Rumble in the Jungle when Ali fought. Remember when uh, President Mobutu put up the one million dollar purse, and that that was a you know that was a game changer. It was a, a pioneering moment in sport entertainment where they fought in a neutral venue where the money was available. And then he himself, Mobutu, didn't go for the fight. He watched it on closed circuit TV, and that was the birth of pay per view. So um, you know, given that uh, the uh, was the San, the new Sansa CEO with all his corporate mumbo jumbo, this is what he was talking about. This is what he was talking about. And I think, given that rugby are fast learners, fast learners, maybe it's time the fans, you know, got with the play. So. I don't know. For me, as a as a rugby fan, I just want to see rugby. I want to see high quality rugby, and um, you know, I'm sick and tired of the world champions being. Um, they need to be invincible, not invisible. Right, right at the moment, they are invisible. Yeah, there you go. I had to get that sort of rabbit punch in as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look. Um, well, interesting whether whether they'll play the whether the. Um, and the rugby championship should happen after the British Irish Lions tour. Um, but so yeah, if South Africa don't want to come over for that or Argentina can't make it, then yes, I'm I'm with um Balumba here. Invite Fiji into the rugby championship. Um, if uh, if other sides won't turn up, uh, yeah, add another team in rather than just leaving it as blank weekends like did last year would be my one. Oh, listen, if Fiji played over here, it'd be a win-win situation because if, if you think about it, if the All Blacks played in Fiji, you'd get a good turnout. And right here, if you played the game in, in Auckland, because it's the biggest Polynesian capital of the world, once again, massive Fijian community, um, community, and and they'll get a real presence turning out. I think it's I think it would be a great idea to bring Fiji on board, especially if uh, if South Africa are not geared to to play rugby international rugby at the minute. Um, Something I was just going to quickly mention with regards to the British Lions, man, it just wouldn't be a British Lions tour without their supporters, Paul. You know, in the same way the Barmy Army follows the England England cricket cricket team around. It, personally, it just wouldn't be the same. It would almost like being, oh, it's really hard to hard to basically. It, it yeah, it, it just had no meaning to me, guys. Even though it, at the end of the day, we've still got to play, and you want the the Lions concept to survive. Well, I mean, look what the NBA is doing. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that you know rugby and large open air stadiums can do that, but um, you know, virtual spectators. So again, guys, you know, we, with with the changing times, I'm sure they can figure something out. DHL will be the sponsor, and you know, they're a massive worldwide trans transnational corporate. So, you know, th th there's enough money to pull this thing through. And so long as there's rugby to be played, um, I think people... Guys, the feeling I'm getting as, as a, a rugby fan is that some of these execs and uh, rugby corporate bureaucrats, for every potential answer, there seems to be two problems. For every solution, there's always a problem. So that that mindset needs to move on and they need to actually put fans and the game to the forefront and figure out a way how it can happen and actually sell the concept to the fans so that there's buying. Once there's buying, you wait and see all this whinging and moaning will disappear. Soon as the games are announced, they'll be like, yep, let's get right behind it. Um, and yeah, I, I, I think, come on, let, let, let's get over it and let's figure out a way to make this happen. Yeah, I agree with that. But uh, this is just for my niece that's watching the show. This is her jersey. Whoa, 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 whoa! That's uh, hang on a second. That's uh, so bring that back again, please, because uh, that's not a normal jersey. That's, no, it's um, got that's the sportsman. Got, no, it's got well, it's got the um the the bit in the middle there that's been that's been printed on about the three peat. So is that a is? Oh, that's, uh, a, that's a that, that's a that's that's an older version that one, but that's been. BNZ versus the uh, Hagawaris from the final in 2019. Okay, so is it, is it a is it an actual players jersey or is it a uh, or... special? Oh, it's a special edition jersey. Oh, special edition. Okay, it's not a players one. Okay. Yeah, that's for my next Sonia who's watching the show. 
the uh, it looked good up here, you know, with, with my other ones. I can. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you don't like it, I can uh, I can find a home for it. Don't worry. Oh, with um, the season just with the season just around the corner, I'll have to get it back to. I was <laughs> <laughs> oh, on a permanent gift. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, the uh, yeah. So we'll, we'll yeah. I, I, look, it would mean something to me, but it obviously wouldn't mean as much as having the fans there. Um, but you're right, Boa. They, they just the administrators need to get uh, stop discussing it in public as well. Um, but I think I think we will we will find some kind of um, uh, some some kind of uh, announcement soon uh, because they can't um, they uh, they can't leave it to the last minute to make the decision. It's going to have to be decided in the next couple of weeks, I'd have thought. So we should we should hear some news on that uh, on the lines from there. Um, Cool. Uh, next week, we will have a look at rugby fixations, as I say. Um, fixations? Is rugby fixation? I've gone blank now. Um, uh, stats, where he looks at the a, the average age and the average caps of the starting 15s across all the um, Super Rugby AU and Super Rugby NZ, or Super Rugby Altera um, teams, uh, and uh, we'll see if we can glean any information from that as to who might go well or who might not. Uh, but we'll discuss that next week. Uh, any other final points, boys? Um. Yes, just, just, I've got. I've got to quickly say, yeah, rugby fixation. That was outstanding. I was blown away. Absolutely blown away. It was uh, some, you know, high quality stuff. And it's it's really nice to know that there are people out there who get into that level of detail of analysis. So well done to you. And let's look forward to next week. Well, I'll, def I'll definitely have to check that out, guys. I'm not too sure if you covered this last weekend, but I just want to mention the passing of uh, former All Black. Uh, all Black selector uh, and uh, former North Harbour coach Peter Thorburn, who passed away uh, last week. Um, thoughts go out to his uh, go out to his whanau, but a man who uh, was very passionate about North Harbour rugby. In fact, I think he was the very first coach of North Harbour, North Harbour rugby when they first entered the uh, third division back in uh, 1985. So a lot of good players came through that harbour system. Of course, the likes of Frank Butson. Walter Little, who went on to be, become a great All Black pairing, also the likes of uh, Eric Rush and a, and a few others, Richard Turner, a few others that that, is, that escaped my mind at the moment. So uh, yeah, pretty sad on his passing, and a, a real student of the game who was involved with uh, New Zealand rugby coaching during his time. So once again, our thoughts go out to uh, Peter Thorburn, his whanau, and of course the North Harbour and the New Zealand rugby community. Absolutely. Um, uh, so Jordan asked a quick, um, uh, a, a quick comment around the Curry Cup final. So congratulations to the Bulls who beat the Sharks uh, in that final. I didn't see it, boys. Uh, see, Stephen, you're nodding away, and uh, also um, both. Yeah, it was it was very odd. The game actually stopped for about 20, 25 minutes because they had a. Um, I think the the lights the lights went out, and of course it was played in. Uh, I wouldn't say torrential, well, close to torrential rain as well, which I thought was a bit unusual for for the Velt at this time of year. But uh, talking to John O'Connor today, apparently they do do get um, do get uh, the odd bit of rain, or it's actually not not just rain; it's just like a torrential sort of downpour, something like some of those downpours you get up in sort of uh, up in the up in the east, up in China and in Hong Kong. Those big uh, downpours. So yeah, congratulations to the uh, the Blue Bulls doing the business. A couple of veterans in their in their team as well. Dwayne Van Mullen at number eight, and of course um, Mornay Dane, who returned from uh, uh, playing in France. Um, was he playing for Montpellier or one of those one of those clubs over there, Paul? Bowen knows better than I do. I think he was, he was about to talk about it. I, I'm not he, sure where it was. Yeah, he, he was with Montpellier and he was battling injury. And look, interesting stat, uh, Vermeulen, uh, the big number eight. So the last four competitions he played in, all finalists and champions, and out of uh, three from four, he was actually the captain. So tremendous, tremendous uh, achievement. The, the cup final itself, yeah. I have to say, wasn't quite awe-inspiring for the quality of rugby. It was a, 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 you know, it was a close call right at the end. And, uh, and there was a bit of controversy that uh, always comes down to some form of refereeing or officiating. Uh, the foot in touch. There was, there was a, a little bit of a, a, yeah, question mark. But yeah. uh, was it ya Jaco Piper? Jaco came Piper, in yeah. He, he he saved his touch judge uh, touch judge some blushes, 
But anyway, look, all in all, you know, congratulations to the uh, Blue Bulls for winning the Curry Cup. Uh, champions, uh, you know, did, richly deserved. They were the form team. Uh, very surprised that I didn't see the Stormers in there who were subsequently beaten the week before by the Cell Sharks. Uh, so, yeah, look, um, you know, Springboks, hey, time time to pick your squad and start playing some rugby. So. <laughs> cool. All right. Thank you very much, uh, Boa. Thank you very much, Stephen, for joining me yet again here on the uh, Driving More Show. We'll be back next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Um, and don't forget, uh, I will be here at 7 a.m. every single morning uh, with the morning sports briefing that you can also catch as a podcast. Just search New Zealand Sports Radio on your favorite podcatcher, be that iHeartRadio, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, all of those wonderful places. Um, have a wonderful week, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.